It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We are kicking off hour number two of the show with the general. That's John McClain on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And John, appreciate your time this afternoon as always. And we got to see the Hall of Fame ceremony. We saw the speeches. We saw the parade. We saw everything that had to do with the Hall of Fame this past weekend in Canton, Ohio. Was very excited to be back out there. What was was there a speech that really got you? Or was there a moment when you were watching those speeches that really touched you like uh, like they did for me? The one that touched me the most was Dick Vermeil. I need to go to the bathroom, and I kept thinking, Dick, please, please. It's been 23 <laughs> minutes. You thanked everybody except Ron Jaworski. Please finish. And he did. And the one that I thought was the most emotional was Bryant Young. Right. The 49ers, great tackle. who talked about his child that died. And uh, I thought people today do a really good job with their speeches. Most of them get help from professionals that the Hall of Fame can provide for them. But you don't want to get off script. And they're told to keep it to eight minutes. And if Dick Vermeil had stopped saying, I wish I had more time, he could have thanked about 100 more people. No doubt about it. We're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Did Roughness. Did you have a good time? I had a fantastic time, John. You've Every been time. Before, Q. What's e- the most fun you've had at the Hall of Fame? Um. I mean, I've been there three times now, and I, I feel like this one, because I went to this party for Cliff Branch and Diana Ross was there, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, did you sing with her? Did she uh, an accomplished singer? Yeah, she would, have sing, she would have sung me right out of the country club, man. She wouldn't have let me hang out with her at all. But I'll tell you, walking around the bus room and seeing all the greats and, and you know seeing your name and Shireen's name up there as well, knowing you guys really well, it felt like, Man, it was, it's just great to be there and be a part of it. I feel like you never see the same thing twice. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to be there this week. I'll tell you that. Did I tell you one time, uh, I, I've been to the Hall of Fame induction ceremony about 20 times through the years. And one time when I was covering the NFL between the Oilers and Texans, I asked them if I could write a column and go through the Hall of Fame like at 2 in the morning mm-hmm. when it's shut down. And they said, yes, but you'll have all the security on and you'll have to call security to let you out when you're through. And so I, and I, I'm sure others have done this. They'll know if in the middle at 2 in the morning. But walking through the Hall of Fame, especially in the room where all the busts are, and the nighttime lights were on at 2 in the morning, it was eerie, but it was even more impressive. I had the whole hall to myself, and I... I've been through it a thousand times, but being through it like that, I was taking notes for my column, and, and I did it, and I wrote a column, and I asked the Hall of Fame if anybody else had ever done that, and they said no. So you talk about a privilege to be able to do that, and it was almost a little spooky. I believe it. I really do. And, you know, those those busts look so real. I mean, they look so realistic. They do such a good job. I could totally see that. And, of course, the great John Madden said that uh, at night when everyone's gone, all the busts talk to each other. So I don't know if you heard that conversation, but that's what John Madden said. <laughs> and I did hear it. John. Well, Madden wasn't in when I did this, but had he been in, he would have dominated the conversation. I have no doubt about that. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So Cliff Branch finally gets in. I thought it was great to see him get in. Uh, of course, Raider Nation was there loud and proud. Uh, what did you think of uh, Cliff Branch finally getting in the hall? I'm sorry it took as long as it did. One year, 
gosh, gosh, three years before he died. He finished. I'm not supposed to know about who finishes how in the voting, but I found out in the seniors he had finished second. And then I thought, well, if he finished second this year, he's going to finish first next year, but he didn't. And I'm just sorry Cliff wasn't alive to be able to uh, wear his gold jacket because you know how much that would have meant to him. And being from Houston, not knowing him well, knowing him a little bit, uh, I was so happy for his family. I, I was too. I really was. And, and I'll tell you, all the Raiders really showed up. Mark Davis rented out a whole hotel that looked like it was the Cliff Branch Hotel. There was nothing but Cliff pictures all around all the walls. And all he did is tell all the alumni, John, all you have to do is get your plane ticket, and, and then you have a room. You're good to go. Uh, everything is, is, is on me. So he really rolled out the red carpet for all the former Raiders and, and even Raiderettes to be there just to celebrate Cliff Branch. I thought that was really classy by uh, Mark Davis. Very uh, first-class move by Mark Davis. It's not his first one, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be his last. I agree. Now, it was it was a fun time, though. It really was. So, John, as far as what's going on right now, we got training camp. Of course, we've seen the first preseason game. Uh, when it comes to preseason games, what do you think ultimately fans and even media could take out of the preseason games the most? Q, because I've done this for so long, I don't give a hoot about preseason <laughs> games, the outcome. I like to watch rookies. I like to watch new players on a team. A lot of veterans won't play, of course, right. and shouldn't. And uh, But I want to see young players want to see the number one draft choices, how they pan out. And uh, eventually, over the course of preseason, of course, you don't want to see players get hurt. It's inevitable, yep. but you want as few as possible so they can hit the ground running when regular season begins. And I know how fired up the Raider fans are because the Raiders coming off the playoff season – and it's their misfortune to play in the toughest division in the NFL, maybe the toughest from top to bottom in NFL history, but that's going to make it even more exciting. Yeah. So I'm pumped up, not just about the Texans and the Cowboys and things going on in, in my state, but I'm pumped to watch the AFC West, number one, because the Texans play those four teams, but number two, see how it all shakes out. Right. I'm, I'm with you. I think every week in the division is going to be a lot of fun just to see these games. How much do you think, if any, that fourth preseason game is going to help this new regime, this coaching staff? I think it'll help them evaluate some of their younger guys. It's not going to help them with any veterans, but it's all about evaluating young guys. Draft choice, but also, Q, all those guys that signed as undrafted free agents or guys that were signed is after they've been cut with other teams, the ones hungriest to make the teams. They watch those guys in the classroom. They see what they can do mentally. Then they see him take it to the practice field and see what he can do there. Then it's got to translate to the playing field in game so they can help them determine that final 53. You know, it's funny seeing uh, practice and being out here at training camp each and every day. There's been a huge emphasis from Josh McDaniels and the rest of the staff on attention to detail, like dotting every I and crossing every T and just really the fundamentals, John. I've seen a lot more teaching than I've seen even coaching, and I think that that could pay off in the long run for the Raiders. What are your thoughts on that? It's about preparation and winning game during the week. Every team, every team says they do that. But some do it better than the others, and that's the Patriot way. That's one of the ways that the Patriots were set uh, um, set above everybody else was because of that attention to detail 
and what they got accomplished during the week. And when the Raiders lose, it's not going to be because they weren't prepared. It'll be because they were outplayed. Right. That's something that we've been talking about is, you know, there's been too many times over the years, and I mean years, that the Raiders have beat themselves. Not the other team necessarily beat them, but they beat themselves. And I feel like with this regime, that's not going to happen as often as it's happened in the past. That's that's something that I feel like is going to be a staple of this team. Well, you ask anybody with the Raiders, especially anybody that has a sense of history with the Raiders, and they're going to tell you that the Raiders have been getting shaft from officials for decades. Uh, and, and way before the Tuck game, and and I think I think I don't know, but with McDaniel's there and being so much more mature than when he had a chance for the uh, with the Broncos, I think he'll, he's obviously better prepared the second go round, and I think that's going to be a very important part of the Raider characteristic is not to make those mistakes now to get them beat. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they get what they believe is a fair shake from the officials. Talking right now with John McClain here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. John, across the league, we've seen multiple players now, uh, Kareem Hunt, Roquan Smith, they're all demanding trades because of the contract. And like you always say, it's always about the money. How, How often do you see that actually working in training camp when they demand a trade? They just want that contract extension. Usually, you should do it during the off season. Now, I don't believe a guy like Roquan Smith, who's one of the top linebackers, he sees the receivers demand to be traded, and they get traded and they make a fortune. You know, players want to get paid first. Then they want to win a ring. Anybody thinks they want to win a ring before they get paid is is not wise to the NFL world, pro sports world. So I don't blame Smith at all. I think he'll get a contract he likes and he'll sign an extension, and then all of a sudden he'll say, instead of they don't have respect for him, man, they all of a sudden, now they respect me. Respect (laughs) comes with money, and that's how players measure it, and I don't blame them getting every penny they can. With an owner worth $4.5 billion to pay for the Broncos in uh, uh, Walmart, uh, Walton, I think that when you got owners, multi-billionaires, you want the money. And if they could, and it was before the salary cap, you know, they would pay them because they got so much. But I don't blame players for holding in. Now, Kareem Hunt, he's a backup. He's not as good as Nick Chubb. He was hurt most of last season. I think he needs to play, play well, and then see if he can get his money. I agree. And it's so fun. It's not funny, but it's, it's, I was talking about that earlier and thought, do we not remember where Kareem Hunt was at one point when Cleveland decided to rescue him and save him and give him another opportunity? I feel like him asking for a trade and demanding a trade, like you said, being injured, coming back from where he's coming back from, he ought to just go out there and play and make it happen. He's lucky to be in the NFL after that video of him drop kicking that woman who was on the floor and he got Chiefs cut him immediately which is amazing because they'll take anybody. And then the Browns signed him, eight-game suspension, he came back. They've been very loyal to him by giving him that opportunity. I believe, Q, that Kareem Hudson's last year of his contract, yep. y'all just put a lid on it. They're going to run the ball a lot, especially without Deshaun Watson. Play his butt off, stay healthy, and cash in. Talking right now with John McClain here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, Roger Goodell was speaking of the the reason why the the league appealed the suspension that was dropped that was given out. Uh, what are your thoughts on what Roger Goodell had to say today? 
Uh, well, I think he, he handed it off to Peter Harvey for a reason. That way, if it goes to court, he can say, hey, I had nothing to do with it. Obviously did. Harvey is an NFL guy. He's worked on the personal conduct policy. It's obvious they want a longer suspension. I wish they would reach a settlement, make it 10 to 12 games, instead of seeing it go to court. It feels like it's going to be a long, drawn-out process, but it just seems like they uh, they want at least a year. You know, something that Roger Goodell said, it, it, it's something that is at least a year worthy of, of what he did and, you know, what he's being accused of. So it just seems like, John, this is going to drag out like Zeke Elliott and all these other situations. Well, this one is extended so much longer than Ezekiel Elliott and any other player, considering this started in early March of 2021. You know, it could be two full seasons before he comes back. It'll be interesting to see how quickly he can be the Deshaun Watson he was in Houston or if he'll ever be that quarterback again. Speaking of Houston, John, how's everything looking with the Texans in training camp as they prepare for their first preseason game? They play the Saints, and they got a lot of young players we're watching, like Derek Stingley Jr., Jalen Petrie. They, in their unofficial depth chart, have four new starters in the secondary, eight overall, and there will probably be more than that because once they get into the season, I think they'll have a couple more rookie starters. So they're young and dumb and trying to figure out what they don't know. Expectations are not high. The over-under is on 4.5 victories. They won four last year. Could have won three others right at the end. So I'm not a betting man, Q, but if I were taking four and a half, I'd take the over on the Texans. What about Jalen Petrie? He was a second-round draft pick, obviously out of Baylor, your alma mater. I covered him at Baylor as well. I like him a lot, and it just seems like, and it sounds like from what I've been reading, he's been making some plays in training camp. How many great players stay in college for five years? Right. Not yep. many. Not many, many at all. He did. Yep. He did, and it benefited him. He's taken in the second round. He's been running with the first team since, who boy, probably the second OTA, and I'll tell you something, speaking of Baylor, today I'm there and people are pointing to a guy who was a guest wearing a purple shirt, had a long gray hair and a beard, and had gained weight since the last time I saw him, Art Browse. Really? Wow. Okay. Old Art. Art was at, a, wow, at Baylor? No, at uh, Texas. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right, I got I you. Wow, he's going to be at Baylor. That's that's what I was like. Whoa, hold on, man. <laughs> I was about to make a flight to Waco to check this out, but okay. Art Briles there in Houston. Okay, I see it. Well, he spends time in Houston, as we all know. I wonder what coach is up to these days. So there you go. Good stuff. I have no idea. I didn't even know it was him. Yeah. Didn't pay any attention until I went on my station right afterward, and they told me, "Hey, see that guy." It just left. That was Art Browse. Wow. That's wild. I was talking about him just the other day. Well, good stuff, John. We always appreciate you. Uh, what you got your eye on? What are you looking at these days, paying attention to, as far as the NFL is concerned? Q, right now I am doing some tweeting at McLean underscore on underscore NFL on some things about the Texans' unofficial depth chart in their first game Saturday night. And in a couple of weeks I'll be able to announce a couple of exciting new ventures I'm doing that's going to cause me to write a whole lot of columns every week. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you having me on. No doubt. We appreciate appreciate you, John. Thanks for sending me the pictures from Canton. I do appreciate it.
Absolutely. No doubt. There he goes. John McClain, uh, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, got some big announcements on the way, and we do appreciate him. And uh, as he asked me, he said, hey, send me a picture of my name on the wall in Canton, Ohio. I did it. And then I also ran into Shereen Williams, his running buddy, took a picture with her and sent it to him as well. So uh, there he goes, John McClain, again, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter, at McClain underscore underscore on underscore NFL. Jared, you're back in the home studio laughing. I just heard all Art Bryles and uh, my, my face immediately, like, I looked at our video screen like, uh-oh. Well, it's funny because I was just talking about Coach Bryles just the other day because Jarrett Stidham said after the game in the locker room, he was asked about, you know, how everything's been going, and he said, oh, we're just chopping wood every day, chopping wood, chopping wood, <laughs> chopping wood. And I, and I told DeMond, I said, that's an old Art Bryles saying. Like, that's, that's what Coach used to always say, and that – Obviously, Jarrett Stidham was coached by Art Browse for a little while, and I know that uh, his his name is like a bad word right now. But at the end of the day, he's you know still a grown man. He's still a guy that if I saw him, I'd say hello, and you know. But yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I, hey, look, man, I know, I know. I I always go back. To, well, I won't even get on my soapbox and start <laughs> talking like that. Three sixteen is the time, but <laughs> it is it is what it is. Let's just go ahead and close it out like that. Uh, shout out to Coach, who apparently was hanging out at Houston. You saw how I, re- I responded. I thought he said he was hanging out at Baylor. <laughs> you were like, he's back? Whoa, I was like, man, now that's a shot in the dark. But, yeah, no, he definitely wasn't at Baylor. 316 is the time. Many thanks to John McClain for joining us right there. Uh, when we come back, got plenty of texts, plenty of tweets, and some calls to get to. We'll do it next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. 3.23 is the time. Many thanks to John McClain. Join us in the last segment to talk all things NFL. Talked about the Hall of Fame. Talked about the NFL right now going on. Current training camp, preseason, all that good stuff. Uh, many thanks to McClain. You can check him out on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Uh, also, we've been talking a lot about Nate Hobbs here on the show today. He's a guy that's getting a lot of buzz uh, from everyone. I think everyone's really paying attention to seeing how much better he looks this year, and that's a huge compliment because he looked really good last year, his rookie year. It's not like he was just some guy that was out there. He was one of the better Raider defenders last season. But this year, he looks like he's taken another step forward. I think having Devontae Adams out there, Hunter Renfro going up against them uh, each and every day in practice obviously helps, but it's also his mentality as well. So just want to know it's early in the process. It's only August 9th, but – you know, what are your thoughts on Nate Hobbs? How are you feeling about Nate and, and what his opportunity he has this upcoming year? Got a lot of text messages that I want to get to, and I definitely appreciate anytime anyone reaches out uh, on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, which you have to do if you haven't texted in before, is you have to use 69187 as basically the phone number that you're texting. Then the letters R-N-R. And then a space and whatever you want to say, and then that will be sure to get to us. If you don't, it'll probably go to our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, if you don't put the keywords in, and then we won't be able to get to your message. And I mean, no one's checking that account anyway. <laughs> and that's your fault. That's your guys' fault. Hey, that's not my fault. I mean, who's the producer? Ari. Who's the other producer? <laughs> Me. All right. Just saying. Mailman Raider, hit us up. Q, I think the sky's the limit with Hobbs, and I think by the end of the year we're talking about Hobbs Island because we all know all great corners get their own island. Now, if Mullen can stay healthy for 17, 17 games, we could be talking top five cornerback duel in the league if all goes right. And See, that's the thing, man. Trayvon Mullen has to stay healthy, uh, and that's why I'm really just kind of focusing on Nate Hobbs right now. I, just, I don't know what to expect from Trayvon Mullen, and I hate trying to decipher and – 
decode what Twitter means or what Twitter messages mean. But Trayvon Mullen on Twitter earlier today put, it'll all make sense in the end and then a heart. So I don't know what that means. That could be a song lyric. That could be him going through some stuff with his girl. That could be anything. I don't, I don't have any idea what that means. But it's always so hard to decipher what these guys mean when they put stuff on Twitter, if it means anything at all. But uh, as far as Nate, you know, I'll kind of wait on Trayvon Mullen until he returns. If he returns anytime soon, we'll, uh, you know, we'll get to that conversation. But I just feel like Nate has the goods. You know, he looks the part, and he just seems like he's ready to take that next step. And that's all you could ever ask for, right, as a player to take that next step. And I think that Nate is up for the challenge, and that is, that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, got a text here from Clark and Sam Mateo. Shout out to Clark and Sam, what we used to call Sam Mateo. Uh, he said, Q, I love Nate, but not sure the secondary is better. Casey Hayward put in work last year. Big loss. Our additions, not out there yet. Aside from a meek who I like, but has more to prove, just unsure. That's Clark and Sam Mateo. And look. I get that, you know, and all, what, offseason long, I said I thought that the Raiders needed to go out and make a move for a veteran corner. They really didn't. Now, they did go out and get guys like Anthony Averett. Of course, they made the trade for Rocky Sin. I feel like those guys are not proven commodities on a consistent basis, and that's what I was really looking for as a consistent guy. Now, you know, you never want to just say, well, if this guy can step up or if these guys can pan out, then everything's going to be good because that's a big if, right, especially in the NFL but now that I said that, if, you know, these guys can step up, Rocky Sin, you know, he's been out. Uh, Anthony Averett, he's been out. You know, guys are at Trayvon Mullen is obviously out. So that's always going to be concerning. But I just know from what I see from Nate. And, you know, Darius Phillips seems like a guy that if Nate's on the outside, he can slide into the inside. He could play that slot position if, if need be. You know, I just, I just I think they have a few options. But obviously getting Trayvon Mullen back would be huge. And Rocky Sin would be huge. And I don't know uh, when they're going to come back, if they're going to come back anytime soon. Matter of fact, uh, Tashawn Reed, who does a great job every single day at practice. I, I got to really uh, take a lesson from, from uh, Tashawn. He does a great job of just uh, the first thing he does at practice every single day is look to see who's not out there. And that's usually not the first thing I do. I start looking for individual people. Like, I'm looking for 83 today. I'm looking for Darren Waller. Well, Tashawn's going through and looking for everybody that's not out there, going through the, the roster and, and jotting it down. He does a fantastic job. So according to Tashawn Reed, uh, who wasn't out there today, offensive lineman Alex Bars, offensive tackle Brandon Parker, tight end Nick Bowers, obviously tight end Darren Waller, tight end Jacob Hollister, defensive end Cleve Furl, linebacker Devon Diablo, cornerback Cravon LeBlanc, Cornerback, Rock, cornerback Rocky Asin, cornerback Anthony Averett, cornerback Ike Brown, and safety Tyree Gillespie, and Trayvon Mullen, who is on the pup list right now, along with Bilal Nichols and Jonathan Hankins. So it's August 9th, Raider Nation, but that's a pretty long list of guys that we're not out there at practice today, and a bunch of them in the secondary, and obviously a bunch of uh, or a couple offensive linemen, a couple tight ends. It's like they were in groups, right? Uh, offensive linemen, tight ends, and, and secondary guys uh, not out there practicing today. So, you know, they have 90 guys, which is good because at some point they're going to cut it all the way down to 53. But there are some pretty big names as far as guys that the Raiders are expecting to be players that weren't out there. Again, Anthony Averett's a guy I think that has an opportunity to do something, but he's got to be out there. Rocky Sin, they traded to go get him, and he wasn't out there. Clee Furl. I don't remember. I think maybe it was Heidi Fang. She asked me something about Cleve Farrell today, and I said, to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to sound disrespectful, he's been an afterthought. I don't think anybody's asking about Cleve Farrell. 
You know, I think she said, I think it was her who said, hey, do you see Clee out here? And I said, who? And she said, Clee Farrell. And I said, oh, man, I, he's been an afterthought. I mean, the people you want asking about him may not be on the Raiders. I mean, I don't even know if anyone's asking about him at this point. You know, I remember uh, when he got a little bit injured, and I don't try to sound cold, but I remember when he got injured and he walked off the field, I remember Adam Hill looked at me and said, I wonder if that's the last time that we're going to see Clee Farrell walk off the field. And I thought, oh, man. I thought, I don't know, probably not. You know, I'm sure he'll probably be back sooner rather than later, but that was a couple weeks ago. So I don't know what's going on. I hate for anyone to be injured, but, I mean, again, he's been gone. It's been real quiet in, uh, around him. I don't think anyone's asked about Clee Furl. I know I haven't asked about him. It's just it's been crickets when it comes to Clee. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a big group of guys that weren't out there practicing. And, um, you know, as Eddie Pascal from the Raiders says, uh, not worried about it yet. But the list is getting a little bit longer. <laughs> so, you know, it could, it could be something to be concerned about sooner rather than later. Uh, how about Sean from Sacramento representing that 916? Q, did you see what Foxworth said? I was so mad when I heard it. The most last take I've ever heard. He was asked how the Raiders could win the division. He responded, if Herbert Wilson and Mahomes got six. sick. What a bum. That's just pathetic and a lazy answer. Oh. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Dominique Foxworth, what show was he on? First take? I mean, that's just that sounds like a very first take type answer. Yeah. Maybe he was on Get Up. Um, you know, I'll say this: everybody hasn't come around on the Raiders. You know, we've brought many people to the show that have come around on the Raiders, and not just because they know me, but just because they see what the Raiders' talent is. But some people are still slow to the party, and some people will never believe. You know, like hey, this this Raider team has a chance to be good until they go out and prove it. You know, look, you could talk about it, talk about it, talk about, it, but what do we always say? Don't talk about it. Be about it. So if the Raiders want the rest of the league to respect them and know that they're a damn good team, you know what they need to do? Just win, baby. I mean, it's that simple. Just win, baby. Right? You don't have to talk about it. You know, it's easy for me to talk about it and tell you all the reasons why they could be a really good team, and I think that they could compete for a, uh, for a division title with the Chiefs. And, and look, I won't, I won't knock the Chiefs off and say that they're not going to win the title because they have won it so many times in a row that I think you have to give them that respect. But – I, I, I see that the Raiders have a puncher's chance with them. Hell, we had Shereen Williams on yesterday, and she said, I think the Chiefs are taking a step back. I think that the, uh, the Raiders have a good as chance of any to, to win the division. I will say that I don't believe in Russell Wilson and the Broncos. I know a lot of people are giving them a lot of love, but until I see it, I won't believe it. And Justin Herbert, like Shereen said yesterday, got to prove it. You know, they, everyone's crowned him, but he ain't even a, a playoff quarterback yet. You know, so you got to get to the playoffs. You got to win some games in the playoffs before you can all of a sudden be crowned a top five quarterback, which is what a lot of folks are trying to do. So, uh, Dominique Foxworth, yeah, you know, if, if he wants to be a funny guy, and a lot of times on those shows, guys try to be funny like that as well. And I've learned a lot more as I've been doing some shows uh, with the network anyway. I've kind of learned uh, a lot about the ins and outs and what's going on there. And let's not get, get it twisted. They're still an East Coast company. <laughs> you know, what I mean, they're still, they're still. I mean, Bristol's still Bristol. I couldn't tell you how many times we've talked about the Jets on oh the show. Oh my God, it is the, <laughs> my biggest pet peeve of turn on national and go. And this has been the Jets update. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and it happens all the time. You know, we talk about the Jets. Like we did this the other day. I was filling in on uh, on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on uh, ESPN Radio. And I believe it was Friday night. Maybe I was doing it when I was still in Canton, Ohio, and. Uh, and we did an interview about the Jets. No, you know what? It was last night. I'm sorry. It was last night. We did an interview early in the show about the Jets, and we reran that thing at <laughs> 1230, which is really 930 our time. But 
at twelve thirty because well, it's the Jets and we'll have the New York audience listening. So you know, take it take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I will say that the Raiders are are getting a little bit more props nationally. Hell, we had Mike Haynes on last night, you know, talking about Cliff Branch, and so I thought that was cool. And actually, it was it was upsetting because we had him on live and we had him in a shorter segment, and everybody to a T. Ian uh, Fitzsimmons was like, "Man, we should have got put him on on a different segment where we could have had him on longer because he was fantastic." So, uh, you know, the Raiders are getting some props. It's just not everybody has come around on them yet. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too uh, too worried about that hmm. at all. They went to the playoffs. The Raiders went to the playoffs, and the Jets last won <laughs> more games than they lost in 2015. Right, exactly, exactly. And so they have a lot of things going on. They just lost their offensive lineman, Makai Becton. Looks like he's out for the year uh, after missing last year as well with the same knee injury. Uh, not the same exact injury, but to the same exact knee. So that was a massive thing. And uh, I'm telling you, I feel like I've learned so much about the Jets doing some <laughs> national radio because we talk about them. All the time. Got a text from the 707. I wanted Roquan Smith to be a Raider for a long time. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. Me and Vinny Bonsignor were talking about that quite a bit today at the training facility. You know, is there a chance? And I said, look, how I look at it, and I actually brought this up on the show probably a couple weeks ago when I heard, right before training camp started, and I knew that Roquan Smith was going to show up, but he wasn't going to do anything while he was waiting on that contract. I said, look, if there's any hope that the Raiders were to get him, it'd be the fact that Champ Kelly is in the Raiders organization. And that's it. But it doesn't look like a move that GM Dave Ziegler would do. You know, it's just the way that they've built things and the way that they've, they've done stuff in the, in the past, I don't see them going out and making that move knowing you have to give up draft capital, and he's a really good player. And they also have to pay him some big-time money. I mean, it's basically like getting your Devontae Adams on defense, right? I mean, you already went out and made the move for Chandler Jones. And I know the Rams go out and do it and, and all that, but I just don't see, I don't see the Raiders doing that. They'd literally be paying Chandler Jones – Roquan Smith, Max Crosby, you know, Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, I mean, and, and potentially Darren Waller, which I do believe is right around the corner. So is it possible? No. But or is it possible? Uh, yes. Is it uh, something I think is going to happen? No. So there you go. Jared, let me ask you this. We'll just do this on the fly real quick, uh, on-air producing. Do you want to go to Matthew Butler right now, or do you want to take a break and come back? Um, I was actually literally asking you the same thing. I think we should go to a break, come back with Matthew Butler. uh, Well, obviously come back with you, and then you introduce Matthew Butler, and then we can react to it. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Jared said it perfect right there. Matthew Butler, uh, defensive tackle, rookie out of Tennessee. When we come back, you'll hear his media session from earlier today. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. That was Colton Miller, excited and fired up about the first padded practice that was going to come up the next day. So that was a couple weeks ago. But hey, you know, it's always good to hear from the starting left tackle of the Silver and Black. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll be talking to Lincoln Kennedy. He's on the Raiders broadcast, was a great Raider on that offensive line. We'll talk to him about what he saw in that Hall of Fame game. Talk to him about pair it up with Jason Horowitz on the play-by-play and the call on Thursday and see how that's coming together as they did a really good job and I expect them to continue to do a really good job and oh by the way it's just great to catch up with Big Lincoln right so uh, Lincoln will join us coming up at four o'clock got a couple quick uh, tweets that I wanted to get to about Nate Hobbs and one was from my guy Mike he said Q I agree with you on Hobbs but would like to take a minute to remind everyone who's responsible for all the young talent we have all the Patriot boys have done is spend money and future draft capital on older players. Mike is not a big fan of the new regime, but does acknowledge that, you know, 
the, the, the younger players that are really good, like the Nate Hobbs, where they came from. And I, I've said on the show multiple times, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, you know, take that away from the, the prior regime that brought these young guys in, because again, they hit on some dudes in the late rounds. You know, you're talking about fourth round pick Max Crosby. You're talking about fifth round pick Nate Hobbs. You're talking about fifth round pick Hunter Renfro. I mean, they did hit on uh, a lot of those uh, later round picks. You know, Divine Diablo looks like he's a guy that could be a player. Obviously, they hit on Denzel Perryman as far as a free agent, right? He became a pro bowler. So I don't ever want to just make it sound like that the old regime had no clue what they were doing. They were doing some good things. They just did more things that weren't good enough to maintain their job. They were reachers. They just they wanted success so bad, they reached for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, they, they went and made the move for A.B., which is the move that this regime made for Devontae Adams. They just, this regime got the better, the better version of that. I mean, it made sense what they were trying to do. They were trying to get that same player. They were trying to get the best wide receiver in the league. This regime went out and got one, and oh, by the way, he doesn't have character issues. But they were so desperate to want to get that guy, they went out and made the move and took a chance, and it just didn't pan out. But you saw the, you know, how they were trying to build this thing up. Uh, I give a lot of credit to the old regime for getting a lot of the building blocks in places, in place. Uh, similar to what I said about the Warriors when Mark Jackson was starting to put everything together. He put it together. He didn't get to see them cross the finish line. Steve Kerr did. But the building blocks were in place. Steve Kerr came and put it all together. So I kind of look at this new regime as, yeah, it could be very similar. We'll hear from Matthew Butler in just a hot minute, but let's go to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy, Juan the Smasher. Welcome to the show, my man. What's up, Q? What's going on? Chilling, man. I'm chilling. How are you? Man, pretty good. I'm out here blessed, trying to get this money. I heard yeah, that. But, uh, yes, sir. Hey, on that on that Nate Hobbs, if, if you write about him and he becomes that next shutdown guy, like Charles and, and uh, Domdi, and that'll be sick, just just to see him shut down fools, lock him up, and cover him like a wet blanket. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm, what I'm you're excited. saying. Man, and uh, the, the game, I was very happy to see those guys because they were out there looking sharp, especially my man Josh J. If, if McDaniels could re-sign him to a two-year deal, man, that'll be lovely because we need that guy. That guy's a good running back. Even though he got those baby Josh J's behind him, it's still all good because that three-headed monster, I can see those guys eat this year. Hey, Q, you guys have a good one. All right, my man. Thank you for the call. I do appreciate you. Juan the Smasher right here in the 702 uh, with a call about the game. And, look, I'll say this. The, the Raiders have had a history of really good corners, right? And he mentioned a couple of them. Obviously, Charles Woodson, a Hall of Famer. But Namdi, remember, it took him a couple years before he really figured it out. But once he did, he was that dude. And it didn't last a long time. He ended up becoming a free agent and going to Philly, and the wheels fell off then. They didn't use him right, and he sucked. And then they went to San Francisco, and he sucked even worse. Uh, but he, 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 you know, he sucked up because he ended up, what, marrying, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, I'm on Scandal. It. Scandal. What's her name? Scandal. Um, damn it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not on a, it. I'm, I'm on it. Well, you don't, you don't watch Scandal? No, of course not. I don't watch TV. Okay, well, at least I'm not the only one. Um, <laughs> what was her name? Anyway, uh, he did a good job marrying up. But, uh, yeah, Namdi was... Namdi was uh, great for a while, man, and, and so that was, that was a big-time Raider cornerback right there, and uh, maybe, maybe this could be the next one. You know, the Raiders have tried. They went out and drafted Garyon Conley. It didn't work out. Uh, they went out and dra- drafted Damon Arnett. didn't work out. I mean, they've tried to bring in really good corners. It just never worked out. They even went and made a move for what? Remember Sean Smith? didn't work out. I mean, that was the case. It just, it just didn't work out. I could see her face right now, and I just can't picture Whoa. it. 
I can't say Carrie Washington? Yes, Car- yes, Carrie Washington. Thank you. Scandal. I, I never knew- watched Scandal, but I know who Carrie Washington is. <laughs> Easy there, Tiger. <laughs> Slow your roll there, Jared. <laughs> I am ready to go to the Matthew Butler sound at a drop of a hat. <laughs> Without further ado, I wanted to go. I wanted you to hear from Matthew Butler because he wasn't real talkative. Like his answers weren't real long, but he was very businesslike. Remember, this is a rookie, a rookie that's just starting to get his taste of the NFL. But he just sounded very. I understand why they drafted him. Like if they sat down and interviewed this guy, I completely understand why he was the guy that GM Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, Champ Kelly, they all said, "Yeah, you know what? This is a guy we like." Here is Matthew Butler from earlier today. Matthew, um, some of the veteran guys are not able to practice um, during training camp. Some of you look younger guys like yourself are getting some opportunities. Like you're taking advantage of the, of the opportunities you're getting. Yeah, definitely. Every day I just try to go out there, make the most of every opportunity, try to uh, pave my way for this uh, team and see how I can contribute to this team and us winning. This is your first train- NFL training camp. Have there been any surprises or uh-huh, NFL moments yet? No surprises. A lot of aha moments, though. You're always just trying to learn the game, learn from the vets, learn from your coaches. You can even learn from different positions, groups, and leaders on this team. Learn just how to carry yourself day by day and things like that. You seem like you had your best year in the last year in Tennessee. Um, how did you kind of progress as a player throughout your career there and kind of took off in that last year? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I had an influx of great guys that uh, came in and out of Tennessee. And, you know, there's ups, there's downs. But... You know, through the trials and tribulations, you know, we and myself stayed head fast. And, um, you know, that that's kind of the name of the game. And I hope that it uh, parlays itself into not only my NFL career, but my life. You and Neil have been out there a lot together, um, kind of working with the DTs. Has it been helpful kind of having another rookie, you know, alongside you kind of learning along the way? Yeah, for sure. We're able to kind of, you know, we have the same perspective. We're both rookies. And then we can bounce things off of each other after practice and, and work off of each other during practice. Who are some of the guys, the like some of the veteran guys that have kind of been good leaders, maybe like taking under the wing, showing you some things? Yeah, um, Kendall Vickers, uh, he's been a friend of mine since my freshman year at Tennessee. He's been great. Also, Bilal Nichols, uh, he's been in this league for, I guess, five or six years now. Uh, but really, I mean, whether it's Tyler, whether it's AB, whether it's uh, Hank, I mean, everybody in the room has been pouring into uh, myself and Neil and the rest of the team. And uh, we try to pour in by just giving it our all day by day. What's it been like working with defensive line coach Frank Ocam so far? You're still kind of figuring out him out as a coach being the first year of the team. He's a great teacher. Um, he, he's been not only teaching us the game, but about life. You know, um, it doesn't just stop. You know, in that uh, in that room. You know what I'm saying? So he's really trying to give his all, and I know that, and it, you can see it out there through how we play, and then our, our uh, relationship with him. When you're there, you know, at the end of every night in training camp. Um, and you look back at your day, uh, are you seeing progress from yourself, like just from the playbook perspective and, and out there on the field? Yeah, that's the goal for us every day. From the tour, everything about camp from the tour, the game, leading up to the game, what was your probably most enjoyable part of the whole experience going into your first game? Oh, I mean, um, just from the Hall of Fame perspective, it was it was great. You know, I grew up, like, watching football, really. So when you see, like, a, a D lineman like Deacon Jones, who – I mean, he played way back when, before I was alive. I know who that is. And I, and when you see the guys who are part of the fierce enforcement with, um, you know, a team in California, you know, that that's great. So, you know, it's really inspiring. And But nonetheless, you just take it day by day and you keep your head down and, and be the best version of you every day. 
Did you make it a point to go find the D-line uh, in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I made it a point to find the D-line and all the guys who went to Tennessee. We, we don't hear a lot of guys come in and name drop with Deacon Jones and the fearsome foursome. So when did you get into really wanting to, to look at the history of football in your position? Uh, I transitioned to like defensive line like when I was like 12 going into my eighth grade year. So, you know, you just want to learn a little bit, learn the history of the game, appreciate it more. You're talking about all the D linemen and the guys that went to Tennessee. So how cool was it to pass Reggie White's bus? Oh, I mean, it was awesome. But at the same time, like Reggie White, you know, may his soul rest in peace. You know, I see that guy like every day, basically at Tennessee. He's always been inspiring to me. You know, you know, a great man to his teammates. Everybody say he was a great leader, both at Tennessee and with the teams that he played for in the NFL. And you know, that that's what I aspire to: just be a great football player and be uh, a blessing to those around me. There was some uh, some emotions on the field today. Did you? I mean, that's a normal part of training camp. But did you feel it come in and did it kind of uh, inspire the rest of the practice a little bit today? I mean, it, it, it was there, and we, we we'll handle it in the way it needs to be handled. Matthew, the game against Bama, you had a big-time game last year. Uh, Confidence-wise, how much confidence did that give you, knowing that you can play at the next level? Um, I, I didn't really see it that way. Like last year, I was just trying to win each game and, and become better and make my, my guys around me better and allow them to pour into me as well. So that really wasn't my mindset. And But that's the same mindset here now, you know. I come to my first practice, there's ups, there's downs, but you still just try to keep your head down, be a blessing to those around you, and kind of be willing to be led, you know, and take all the instruction and the advice and everything like that. There he is right there, Matthew Butler, defensive tackle out of Tennessee. And uh, I'll tell you, like I said, he's not a guy that has a real lengthy answer, but I really can enjoy his, as a matter of fact, right to the point. You know what I mean? He asked that, that question was asked him about confidence in that Alabama game. He said, I don't see it that way, right? Like, I already had confidence. And, and that's not being in a cocky way. It's just saying, hey, I'm going out there to perform and do what I do, and I'm going to learn this. And, you know, when he was asked about the little uh, fight that they had, I, I hate to even call it a fight because it really wasn't even that. Uh, what did he say? Yeah, we'll handle it in, in, as it goes. Or it was like a three-word answer. It was very short, but it's like, no big deal. Was it a fracas? A brouhaha? No, no, brouhaha's are serious. Like it, <laughs> you know, I seen I seen it kind of um, labeled as a melee a couple times. It wasn't that. I, I would just say it was a scrum. How about a little scrum, right? A little pushing and shoving. Uh, I didn't see any any punches thrown. Uh, it just, it, like I said, it was just a little dust up at training camp. It just wasn't, it wasn't anything major. But all of a sudden, it just kind of broke out out of nowhere. And I think that's why some might have thought that it was a little bit bigger than what ha- you know what it was, but. It was over pretty quick. So, I, I, again, I could appreciate the guys getting fired up and, uh, you know, having that passion and that energy to do what they do. I uh, got a tweet from my guy Quick at Raider underscore level on Twitter. It says, Q, Q ball, no one cares about Clee. That's number one. Two, love Hobbs. Would prefer to keep him inside. I believe it's an indictment on the other outside guys if they get beat out. And then three, no one cares about Clee Farrell. So, <laughs> All right, two, my bad is the person who brought him up. Two, yeah, two out of three points was on Clee. But that's, again, like I said earlier today when Heidi asked me about him, he's an afterthought. Nobody's, nobody even cares what he's doing at this point. And, again, not trying to sound disrespectful, but that's just what it is. Chris hit me up on Twitter, said, hey, Q, what's going on with Darren Waller? Hasn't been tra- training. Uh, hopefully not another injury. And, I mean, all we could do at this point is just do the same thing you're doing, which is wonder. Uh, you know, we know that he wants a new contract. We know his agents, his company, his, uh, the people that represent him, Clutch Sports, are talking to the Raiders. They're handling that. He said that multiple times. Uh, there's also 
you know, a, a chance that it could be a little bit of a nagging injury, something that uh, I've been told a couple times, I've heard a couple times, that he's got a little bit of a nagging injury. That's why he stayed back from the uh, Hall of Fame and didn't go, just like Chandler Jones was not in attendance, but Chandler Jones has made it back to practice. So I wouldn't be 100% like super over-concerned about it right now. Just kind of wait to see how everything shakes out the rest of the week and leading into this game on Sunday. And then following that, if, you know, next week some point, He's still not practicing. Then at some point, he might be like, okay, you know, what's what's going on? Is he closer to returning than not? So that's kind of how it's going to go from there. 3.54 is the time. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Lincoln Kennedy, the great Lincoln Kennedy, talk all things about the broadcast, talk about the offensive line, talk about training camp, talk all things silver and black. Again, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920.